Welcome everyone. It's been a while since we've last had a talk because we've done, uh, we've been doing the prayer course for the past two months and it's been a nice, been a bit of a nice break for us to be able to just soak up and learn about the power of prayer and the various aspects and how to outwork that in our lives. And now we are returning. We are going to be doing a new, we're still continuing the theme of God's promises, but we're going to, like in the summer, we were doing about the blood of Jesus, which was about eight weeks, I think. We're going to be doing about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, there are nine fruit, there are, there are nine of them, and I'm doing the introduction talk and we also have an ending talk. So this will take us through to about February and we will chop and change once a month, do a prayer and worship night like we did last week. So we're going to balance things out a bit. And I've got a few other people to um, take part in the talk. So we've got a nice variety of, um, of uh, speakers over the next few months. And it's not because I can't be bothered. It's just quite tiring doing this. <laughs> it's, it's great. I love doing it, but it's just a bit difficult being back at work and finding the time to do it. But guys, it's lovely to see you tonight. To introduce the fruit of the spirit, um, we will do the reading at some point in this talk, but there's a verse that came to me. It's a very uh, short but simple verse. But before we go into that, the talk is called God's promises, God doesn't change. So our verse is taken from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, and it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For the purpose of this talk, Jesus is God, so I'm going to be referring to it as in God, because God has been constant throughout history in many, many ways. He doesn't change, unlike us. It may seem like I've just taken a random verse out of the Bible, but in context, this is the final chapter of Hebrews, and this is the part of when you end, when the epistles end, the letters of the New Testament, which is called an exhortation, which is basically when you make an urgent appeal, when you urge strongly. So, if you had a few words to give to someone, that's what you would say, like you're cutting to the chase. This is the gist of the message. What the reader, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, urging us strongly is that God doesn't change. Now we live in a world that changes constantly. It's where hard truths are no longer being taken as fact and that our feelings should be what we base our truth on. So anything that's, that's concrete is now being debated. Is that even true? You watch one day, they will say two plus two isn't four. But I did hear one <laughs> a few years ago that there was a whole seminar about that. I think I've got better things to spend my time doing other than that. But it just shows you how destructive this current world is how fleeting it is, how just totally different it is from what the word says about the world and what the word says about us and about God. But what, who is God and what is God in comparison? He is constant in his character. That is how he deals with people. He is a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy. 
He is constant in his presence. He is always present. He is omnipotent. He is everywhere, all time. He is never absent from anywhere. He is constant in his word. The word doesn't change and it always comes about. Um, I've said this a few times, but a, a wonderful psalm for the, for the word, for the Bible, is Psalm 119, a glorious, the longest chapter in the Bible, no doubt, but it's a glorious explanation of the word of God and how relevant it is in our lives. And of course, as we've been going through since lockdown began, he is constant in his promises. And there's a wonderful concluding promise, which is all God's promises in Jesus are yes and amen. It's a wonderful, that, that's what we'll, we will culminate the whole series in. But we have to look at what else he is constant. He's constant in sovereignty. God is sovereign over all creation and sovereignty, uh, one preacher explained it like this. God does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and he doesn't ask our permission. He is in control and the ruler over all. He is constant in authority. He is in control. He has never not been in control. He may permit things to happen, but they, he has the final say whether they're allowed to happen or not. And he is constant in his position. He is the head and ruler over all of creation. That is our God. But what is also constant about God is his attitude to sin. It has never changed. He has never condoned sin. He has always had the same stance in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, as he has up until Revelation at the close of the age. The Bible repeatedly tells us of the damaging consequences of sin. Now, this is highlighted as the fruits of the flesh, which is contrary, the opposite to the fruit of the spirit. Now, this is taken from Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21, and it reads this. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that is quite a stark warning. I mean, thank goodness we're not going to do a whole series on the fruits of the flesh, how demoralized and how condemning would that be? And I wanted to mention this because we're going to cover nine weeks of the fruit of the spirit, but we've got to recognize what the opposite end of that is. The truth is when we sin, we can repent and none of us are ever disqualified for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. To encourage you that we can all be disciples of Jesus, there is this glorious part of 2 Corinthians. It's chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, and it says this. Therefore, if anyone, not someone, anyone, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and behold, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. 
and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are all disciples. We can all be disciples for Jesus. None of us are disqualified. We may at times slip back. We may enter into sin, but we can just as easy as we can fall into it, we can come to God in repentance and we can get back on track with him. Now, we may say, can I trust God? And this verse came to mind. It's from Psalm 18, verse 2. It's a glorious psalm. It says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, where I seek refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That is God. He's all of those things. Amongst the toughest times in our life, we can cling to him. We can hold on to him. We can grab hold, even in the good times, we can still hold on to him because we, we can be present with him in the good and the bad times. He is present and sovereign in our lives. He is our firm foundation. He is our solid ground with which never crumbles. And it brought to mind the parable of the, the man who built his house on sand. The one that was built on rock was never affected by everything that happened around because it was built on that firm foundation. Now, when I was a kid, some years ago, okay, quite a few years ago, I was told by my then youth leader uh, of an analogy. She said, um, I was only in primary school at the time. She said that if you are, you, you are either a rock or you, or you are jelly, that you are either molded by the world, jelly, or you choose who you are. So you're either controlled by the outside or you're controlled by yourself. But going deeper, she really meant you're either molded by God into an unchanging rock or are you are changed by the world. Every situation changes you and shapes you differently. You're not constant. You're always in the moment. You're never settled. And I think as an adult, it spoke more to me, but I never forgot that. But from all of this, we spoke about the foundation. The fruit is rooted in God. The fruit is, in essence, our foundation, which brings us to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, which is, after we've heard the fruits of the flesh, a glorious verse. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. How do you avoid the fruit of the flesh? Walk by the fruit of the Spirit, which we will be exploring. Walking by the Spirit is a choice. If we don't walk, we don't move. And so we become still. Now, if you see a stag, if you see a, a bit of water by a river where the water isn't moving, it becomes stagnant. Things grow in it, algae, weeds grow in it. You may get mosquitoes nesting in it. It becomes a boggy, horrible pool of water that's unclean. We need to keep walking by the spirit.
because that, that begs the question that we should ask ourselves what do we do with our time what do we do with our our energy where do we focus our um our works on maybe that's something we'll have to look at ourselves but of course what is the fruit of the spirit and this is taken from galatians 5 same chapter verses 22 to 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control the law is not against such things basically there's no limit there is no limit to these whatsoever it's not a case if you only show x amount of love x amount of patience keep going jesus was once asked how many times should i forgive my brother seven times he says no 70 times seven keep forgiving keep going on we are going to be focusing on one of these a week next week it will be love which brother lee will be doing but can i encourage you that throughout this week to look through your bible and what it says about love and we're not talking about the world version of love we're talking cheap love we're talking about what the bible says true honest biblical love yes love has many different meanings but the love of god that meaning i've got some questions for us to ponder on um number one how can you better relate to god knowing he is eternal and unchanging and number two does the statement god doesn't change encourage you thank you